I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. Today's episode is all about chocolate. Now I have your attention, don't I? I chat with Michaela from The Flower Handprint, who shares the ins and outs of cooking with chocolate. Michaela is a wife, a mum, a trained writer, and an eating enthusiast. She's dubbed herself a bit of a food nerd who enjoys spending her time reading cookbooks and experimenting in the kitchen with new ingredients and cooking techniques. Her blog, The Flower Handprint, is all about making good food from scratch and designed to help other home cooks get creative and confident by sharing seasonal recipes, year-round favorites, and cooking guides. She believes that understanding the why and the how behind every recipe is the secret to unlocking your inner chef and hopes to share the fun and freedom she feels when cooking along the way. I had a blast chatting with Michaela about all things chocolate, and this episode sure is chock full of handy tips. Yeah, I hate myself a little, but (laughs) the recipe of the week this week is my healthy chocolate crackles. I had to pick something with chocolate, didn't I? The chocolate crackles are a bit of an Aussie icon. We always had them at birthday parties growing up, but this lightened up version is just as delicious as the classic without the major sugar crash. Rice bubbles, cocoa powder, peanut butter, coconut, and much more are all mixed up into delicious no-bake balls. Give them a try by grabbing the recipe link, as well as all the links discussed in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 21. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Michaela. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Um, I want to talk about all things chocolate, but before we get started, would you let me know your last cooking fail? Uh, Yeah, so um, I've been focusing a lot on pomegranates. Uh, My mom has this pomegranate tree that just produces this crazy amount of pomegranates every year, and I've been kind of obsessed with like throwing pomegranate seeds into everything. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, it does not work in cookies all that well. Um, I tried waking up these like chocolate chip cookies with pomegranate seeds and um, I'll just save you the trouble. Don't do it. (laughs) It was this like horrible, unpleasant crunch in the middle of a cookie without like any of the flavor of pomegranate that you want when you're eating pomegranate. So um, that was pretty disappointing. There are not many recipes that I just throw straight in the recycling bin, but that one will not ever be made again. Yeah, not a good one. Oh no, don't you hate that? Especially if it's something like a cookie, like you would be yeah. looking so forward to it. <laughs> yeah. The first bite was like, oh no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> what was the best thing you made with the pomegranates? Uh, you know, I really like jellies and jams with them. Uh, it, they just cook so well. The flavor is retained so much better and like sauces, like pomegranate molasses, that type of thing. I'm still trying to figure out how to like incorporate that into baked goods, but jellies, jams, chutneys, all that stuff with pomegranate juice is really good. Yeah. And that's so cool that your mom has a tree so you get free yeah. access to it. <laughs> Yes, it's a perk, definitely. 
Oh, all right. Well, today we're going to talk about chocolate, which is like my favorite. <laughs> oh, me too. Absolutely. Now, I, I've i said many times on here before that I'm a bit of a novice baker and okay. um, chocolate is something that I've played with a little bit, but not really that much. So I'm really excited to get into today's episode and chat about all things chocolate. So let's start with how chocolate is made. Yeah. Okay. So chocolate is kind of an interesting thing. It is starts in this huge like football shaped pod. Um, it's from a cacao tree and inside these pods, there's like this white pulpy fruity stuff that I hear is quite delicious. I've never had the chance to try that myself, but, um, and inside the white pulpy stuff, there are the cacao beans, uh, which become chocolate. So basically what happens is that cacao farmers take the pods, break them open and ferment the, the beans and the pulp for anywhere from like two to eight days, depending on the farmers and the manufacturers that they supply. And then from there, they get dried. Um, the pulp goes away. I don't really know what they do with it from there. Um, but the beans get dried. And from there, the manufacturers buy them. Um, and then they get roasted. Uh, so it's kind of a complicated process because this is before it even becomes chocolate. Uh, the beans are roasted and then they're cracked. And inside each bean, there's a cacao nib. I'm sure you've heard of those. You can even buy them, I'm pretty sure now. Yep. Um, at some stores, they're kind of like this huge, intense chocolate bitter flavor. Um, they're kind of the essence of where chocolate flavor comes from. And the cacao nibs are then ground up uh to basically become what is called chocolate liquor. And chocolate liquor is just this really thick paste of cocoa butter and chocolate solids. Um, And that is actually what makes most of what we know as like chocolate products, your chocolate bars, um, your chocolate chips, chocolate liquor is the foundation for that. And to make those types of things, the liquor is conched or agitated. It's like a special process where it's agitated for a long time with heat and sugar and depending on what the the product is going to be like milk or vanilla. Um, and that produces like this really super fine, delicious chocolatey melted product and then is set into bars. Um, but if you want cocoa powder or cocoa butter, the chocolate liquor is refined into those two things through a very special process that I have never done. (laughs) And basically the cocoa butter and the, the cocoa solids from the liquor are separated out and then sold as needed. That is basically how chocolate's made. That's a super, super fast version of it. Um, but you can actually make chocolate yourself. So if you're super curious about that, uh, there are people who make chocolate at home from bean to bar. Oh my gosh. That sounds like such a process. And I mean, even the shortened versions, it, it just seems to go through so many stages before it becomes the chocolate bar that we see at the shop. <laughs> yeah. It, it surprises people. I think that when you really start learning about chocolate, it's as diverse a product. It's as complicated a product as like wine or cheese making. It can have a lot of different nuances and a lot of different things can happen to it during the process that change its flavor. So it's definitely, it's complicated and it can be an art form for sure. Definitely. I I was just thinking about somebody making it from the bean to bar at home. I was just thinking about how big of a process that would be. Wow. I've looked at like these, uh, these blogs about making your chocolate at home and they buy these like specialty grinding machines. I have these granite rollers in them and they talk about the speed of the rollers and 
how much heat needs to be applied and it's so complex and I'm like you guys are so cool <laughs> for doing this at home Definitely. someday you know, five goals <laughs> yeah no that's so impressive now there's a couple of different types of chocolate I mean I think we're all aware of them but what are they <laughs> uh, the main three are dark milk and white um, and within those there are variances of course um, but dark chocolate is pretty much as close as we get um, to pure chocolate, unless you're eating cocoa nibs, which is closer. Um, it's just the chocolate liquor and sugar, um, different levels of sugar, depending on the type of chocolate bar that you're eating. Milk chocolate is the chocolate liquor mixed with sugar and milk solids. And the level of milk solids and sugar can vary. It usually outweighs the chocolate solids by a bit, which is why milk chocolate is so sweet and creamy. Um, and very popular, of course. And white chocolate, there's kind of a debate about this. Uh, legally, I think it is technically a chocolate, but it doesn't actually contain any chocolate solids. It's just cocoa butter, sugar, and milk solids. And that is what makes white chocolate. Um, but it is categorized among the chocolate family, especially in stores. It's right there with everything else. And those are, those are the big three. How interesting is that about the white chocolate? I, I never knew that that was how it was made, but yeah, it obviously yeah. varies from the other two. Yes, definitely. It's, it's a nice contrast, but it's definitely not the same as biting into a dark chocolate bar. That's for sure. <laughs> and I have a question actually that I'm going to pick your brain on here. Mm -hmm. As an Australian, we don't have semi-sweet chocolate. What is semi-sweet oh, really? chocolate? <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Um, so semi-sweet chocolate is just a form of dark chocolate. Do you have bittersweet chocolate? No. We, we mostly just have dark milk and what? Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. So bittersweet and semi-sweet are something that you find, at least I know on, on US shelves. I don't know. I didn't know that other countries didn't have it. So I don't know if uh, like Canada has bittersweet and semi-sweet, but basically all it is is a way of categorizing the sweetness of the dark chocolate. So a bittersweet bar most of the time has a higher cocoa percentage, which is going to make it more bitter than like a semi-sweet chocolate, which is going to have more sugar and a little bit less cocoa, but they're all still dark chocolates. Uh, so they don't have milk solids or they have a very, very low percentage of milk solids. So they don't qualify as a milk chocolate. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just dark chocolates. It's just a way for manufacturers, I think, to set apart the cocoa percentages. But I'll be honest, even those can vary so much. You can find a bittersweet chocolate bar that has more sugar than a semi-sweet chocolate bar it's it's really up to the discretion of the manufacturer so if you have dark chocolate there you have the same thing we do as bittersweet and semi-sweet that really makes sense to me as soon as you started talking about the percentage of cocoa because that's mm -hmm. how we categorize the dark chocolate so it'll be like 70 percent cocoa or 80 percent cocoa and that's kind of telling you how dark and rich that dark chocolate is going to be without being um, i guess lessened by the sweetness so yeah there you go this is a different way of classifying it Exactly. And we're starting to see more of that, um, especially now that there are so many like small batch manufacturers out there. You're definitely starting to see more chocolate bars that just say, hey, this is 80% cocoa. Um, 
but I have a semi-sweet in my cupboard that's 54% cocoa, and I've had a bittersweet that was like 61%. So it just varies. That's all it is. It's just a way of telling you how strong it's going to be when you bite in. I'm so glad I asked because it it really does rack my brain, especially (laughs) when I see so many recipes that talk about the semi-sweet. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine that would be like, you're like, I don't have that. But yeah, you can just use like a lower percentage cocoa bar, and it would be the same as using a semi-sweet. Yeah. Or I usually just substitute for milk because that's my favorite. Or that. <laughs> you can definitely do that too. And which is your favorite type of chocolate? Oh, I'm dark chocolate all the way. I actually love like 80%, that really, really dark, dark chocolate with a little bit of sea salt. Oh, yeah. That's favorite snacking. But um, I have, you know, I have a couple of really, really intense ones in my cupboard that I can't eat either, like a 92%. That's just like way over the top. I bought it thinking I was going to be like a chocolate connoisseur and it's still in my cupboard. So, so bitter. (laughs) Yeah. You do buy some of those thinking like, oh, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) I've got the fancy chocolate and then yeah, it's so bitter. (laughs) Okay. And what about cocoa powder? So we sort of spoke before about how the process deviates from how to make a chocolate bar to cocoa powder but what's the difference between say like a natural or a dutch process natural cocoa is it is basically just pure chocolate solids um so when the chocolate liqueur is separated and the cocoa butter and the cocoa powder um become two separate things it's just like this really intense chocolate solid and it gets ground up and that's what cocoa powder is and natural cocoa powder is just that it's just the ground up product so it's acidic um, by nature which means that it's going to react with things like baking soda um, which you need so if you like making like buttermilk biscuits for example you have the baking soda and the buttermilk that interact cocoa powder does the same thing in your baking Um, so it's really useful to have that but it definitely has a different flavor than say your Dutch processed cocoa. So Dutch processed cocoa goes through a separate process where it's treated with a chemical called potassium carbonate, and that strips it of all the acidic properties that would make it react with baking soda. Um, And it also affects the flavor. Um, So it's not going to work in recipes that call for baking soda as a leavening product. It's uh, going to work with like baking powders, say, but not baking soda. Dutch processed cocoa is usually described as like a dark chocolate, more chocolatey, more intense cocoa powder versus like natural cocoa powder. Um, And that's because it's been stripped of that acidic property. So it doesn't have all the nuances that natural cocoa powder has, which a lot of the times is fruity, uh, like I said, acidic. It just has a lot of different flavors in it. Whereas Dutch processed cocoa is just smoother, milder, mellower. And if you're used to eating lower percentage chocolate bars uh, or milk chocolate, let's say, you're more familiar with that mellower chocolate flavor. So it tastes a lot to a lot of people like more chocolate, more intense chocolate. Um, And both are great. Both are great in recipes. I have Dutch processed cocoa in my cupboard that I absolutely love. And I have natural cocoa powder that is really intense and delicious. And they just have different applications, um, different ways to use them. And that's really the only difference. Um, It's just important to know when to use which. If you have a recipe with baking soda in it and you use Dutch processed cocoa, you're not going to have the result you're looking for. That's such a good thing to point out because honestly, I would have thought that both of them were interchangeable. All right. So natural, you can use with the baking soda Mm -hmm. and Dutch processed, you can use with baking powder. Yes. 
Yes, that is correct. And you can use natural with baking powder as well. Um, if someone is saying, okay, I only want to have one in my cupboard, I generally say go with a natural cocoa powder just because it will work with all recipes. It is definitely going to have a different flavor, um, but it will work with everything. Dutch processed cocoa will not but um, definitely has a great flavor if you want to try it out. Awesome. All right. Now, what about let's dive into chocolate chips, chocolate bars. What's the difference between the both? So let's start with chocolate chips. Okay. Chocolate chips. I, I love chocolate chips. I definitely think they're amazing little things, but they're not like the most useful chocolate product out there. So chocolate chips are a chocolate product very similar to chocolate bars, but they're usually added they have added ingredients like soy lecithin, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, which is a fat that raises the melting point. So they're shaped in a way um, with a particular concoction of ingredients. That means they won't melt and lose their shape in your cookies, let's say. So when your cookies are baking up in the oven, instead of having like pools of chocolate underneath them, they have little spots of chocolate, which is what we love so much about chocolate chips. Um, but they're not the greatest to work with if you're trying to like coat something, let's say, like dip strawberries or something like that. Usually you have to add something like shortening um, to kind of make it fluid and not seize up on you. But they're great. I mean, I have them, of course. I snack on them more frequently than I think <laughs> I bake with them, but they are great. And you can get them in a huge variety of things. So it's a great way to put like white chocolate in something or semi-sweet chocolate, uh, dark chocolate. I mean, gosh, you can get all sorts of flavors in them. Now I don't think they're all chocolate, but like cinnamon, caramel, butterscotch, you can get chocolate chip shaped, all sorts of things. Um, they are great to have for baking, but they're not as useful, I would say, as a chocolate bar. You're right. They are delicious to snack on. And I was just thinking about, you can yeah get peanut butter ones. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They're good for like yeah, cookies or that kind of thing, I imagine, because you can add a different flavor into uh, whatever type of cookie you're making with the chips. Absolutely. And I've, I've seen recipes. There's, um, you know, lava cakes or, or puddings or something made with chocolate chips. It is possible to work with them in like the melted form, but it's not as simple as using a chocolate bar, let's say. Um, but it is possible. So if that's what you have, um, there's plenty of information out there on the web about adding shortening or uh, vegetable oil to kind of make them a little easier to work with in those types of applications as well. And what about chocolate bars? Now, I'm I'm going to say here, and I assume it's the same for you guys, we can buy cooking chocolate bars and like obviously regular chocolate bars. Like, is there right. a difference if we use those in baking? No, um, it's just a matter of, of how manufacturers are marketing them. So your baking chocolate might be a little less expensive, let's say, because you usually get more for your price because they're packaged in a way and they're not marketing it as like a, you know, a sea salt chocolate bar with, you know, whatever flavor is trying to get you to eat it. Um, so that, that might be the benefit of buying from like the baking aisle versus the candy aisle. But technically, no, there's not a big difference in, in what they are. Um, so like you, you don't have bittersweet and semi-sweet there as we already discussed, but for us on our baking aisle, that's where you find things that are labeled bittersweet or semi-sweet baking chocolate bars. And it's just dark chocolate with higher sugar and less cocoa. Um, but you can use whatever you want. If you want to use that sea salt, 80% cocoa bar from the other part of the store, you can absolutely cook with that as well. That's good to know. Definitely. And what about like with the difference in cocoa percentages, 
Is there any that are better to be used for different types of baking or is it all much the same? It's, it's going to change the way things interact with each other. So as a general rule of thumb, dark chocolate can handle more heat than like milk chocolate or white chocolate can um, because it has no milk solids in it and it has a higher percentage of cocoa and cocoa can handle more heat than milk can. Um, but it really, it comes down to flavor for the most part. So if you're baking something that calls for semi-sweet chocolate um, and you use an 80% cocoa bar, it may not be as sweet as the recipe intended. Um, and it really just comes down to a matter of preference on what you like and paying attention to the chocolate you're working with. Um, you, you never want to scorch chocolate or get any water in it or something like that. But that's that pretty much applies to any type of chocolate you're working with. Absolutely. And I was just thinking as well. So we have um, things called like chocolate melts, which are kind of big... Dots yeah. that you melt down. <laughs> do you guys have those as well? We do. They're called candy melts. And I, I don't know, it might be an unpopular opinion because they're so convenient, but I just recommend you don't get those and stay away from them. Um, they're not chocolate. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> they might have like some cocoa powder, some cocoa solids in them. So like they can technically call them like chocolate flavored. Um, yeah. But they're, they're generally made with a lot of other things that make them easier to melt, that make them shiny when they solidify. So you don't have to go through the process of tempering. Um, they're convenient, yes. But if you're looking for that big chocolate flavor, um, they're not going to provide what you're looking for. That's great advice. And now one more thing I want to ask you about as well is so um, like say we're melting down chocolate to – coat strawberries or put on the top of a, a slice that we're baking or something um, when you do melt it down. Now, I've seen recipes where they suggest to add things like coconut oil, olive oil, mm -hmm. vegetable shortening. Um, are those things that we should be doing when we're melting chocolate so that it does go on more smoothly and doesn't um, – what's the word that I'm looking for? They well, cr crack or, yeah, go weirdly? Yeah. <laughs> So you don't have to, um, when you're using something like chocolate chips, that's certainly going to be helpful. Um, but that's not necessary. So when you add a fat to melted chocolate, it's going to help it not harden as quickly. It's going to help it coat things a little bit better. Um, it can help it harden with a little bit more shine than maybe a chocolate normally would, but it doesn't, it's not necessary. No. If you just want to use straight up chocolate, I never add any fats to anything, um, because I want the chocolate to set hard. Um, and sometimes when you add fat, if it's not the right ratio, it can stop it from setting with that like crunch that you want. Um, it can stay a little softer. It really depends on the type of fat and how much you're adding. Um, it, I don't think it's necessary unless you're really, really nervous about working with chocolate. Um, but it does affect the flavor as well. So there's that to think about. That's good to know. Yeah, I've, I've kind of done it. I've got, I'm just thinking of like one specific recipe that I use it with. And um, it's one that I have to cut and the chocolate can be really difficult to cut because when it cuts, like it can crack and go crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think last time, I can't remember which type of oil I tried, but it worked. 
it worked better. Yeah. So you're using something that creates like a chocolate coating on something and then you cut yes. through it. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, so when chocolate, especially chocolate bars that are pre-made for you, they're, they're sometimes pre-tempered, um, which is a process that like stabilizes all the different chocolate crystals in the chocolate. Um, and that creates that crack that happens when you bite into a chocolate bar or a chocolate coating that's like really shiny, you know? And yeah, it's going to fragment all over the place um, <laughs> because that's just the nature of chocolate. But if you add an oil or something like that, it can just help it be a little bit softer and a little bit smoother so you can get a clean cut. Um, you can also use like a really hot knife to get a clean cut uh, if you're looking for something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I um, I usually use the, the hot knife, but I'm probably a little bit impatient with it too. If it was just me eating it, I really don't care. Like I've, I've served yeah. this slice plenty of times with like cracked chocolate all over it. It tastes fine. But exactly. uh, yeah, this was for photo. So I was trying to make it look really schmick. Uh, <laughs> yes, I understand the, the impatience. I understand that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just like, I'll just eat the whole thing. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> right. Now, Michaela, what is your favorite chocolate recipe? So using chocolate in it or do you have one on your blog that you'd like to share with us? Gosh, that's so hard. Um, I'm a chocolate fiend. It's so hard for me to pick one. But honestly, I mean, the thing that I use the most (laughs) is Mm -hmm. like my homemade chocolate syrup. (laughs) Oh, yum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's not complicated. It's just cocoa powder, sugar and water. And I add a pinch of salt because I think salt and chocolate are best friends. Um, that's, it's just delicious, smooth. I actually use Dutch processed cocoa for that because it's uh, a little bit closer to like what chocolate syrup you buy at the store is, um, and flavor wise, but it doesn't have any high fructose corn syrup in it, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a lot of cocoa instead of sugar, 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 some cocoa. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's, that's the thing I make the most with chocolate. I always have a jar in my fridge and it lets me have my little chocolate indulgence at night without feeling guilty about eating huge slices of chocolate cake. Um, so yeah, I dip apples in it and dip strawberries in it, all sorts of delicious stuff. Yeah. that sounds amazing. I would never have had any idea where to start to make chocolate syrup. So yeah, I got to look that up and I'm going to link it in the show notes, of course. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, Michaela, I've had so much fun talking to you and picking your brain on chocolate. I hope you don't mind me throwing some the differences i always find it interesting the differences between like especially like english speaking countries and then our how the different things we call um products that we have the same i always find that interesting but it was really good to clarify that and i know that some of my listeners are from america and they'll probably find it interesting if they come over here and can't find those things and i know that some of my listeners will be from australia and look at American blogs regularly and go, what the heck is semi-sweet chocolates? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always like I bake with, um, different measurements all the time. I usually use weight, but I know that a lot of times when I come across like, um, a recipe from the UK, um, and it uses grams, I'm like, okay, wait, I use ounces. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, translate yes. That. And so many American recipes use like cups and stuff like that. So it's always it's always interesting to see how those convert. Yeah, you've I am always inclined just to like go, what is this to this? And I, I'm always having to do it anyway. But I like to give both of the measurements on my yeah. blog because then that's just everyone's happy. We've got it all there. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I still would never know the conversion off the top of my head, <laughs> like no oh, matter gosh. how many times yeah. I've done it. <laughs> no, yeah. I have like a little thing that does it for me on my, my recipes so I don't have to think too hard about yeah, it. Yeah, so good. Before we go, would you let my listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me on my blog, which is the flowerhandprint.com, and that's baking flour, not like the flower daisy um, that gets confused more often than you would think. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, my page is the Flower Handprint. Same on Instagram, the Flower Handprint. And if you are a Pinterest lover like myself and uh, want to follow some cool boards, I'm on Pinterest at just Flower Handprint. Awesome. Well, Michaela, thank you so much for coming on. Have a great time. Thank you. You too. It was great chatting with you. I had such a great time talking with Michaela and I'm so glad that I finally got to the bottom of what bittersweet chocolate is. All this chocolate talk really has my tummy grumbling. To get all the links that we discussed, head to cookitrealgood.com slash 21. That's it for me. Have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.